Welcome to our continuation of reading the Act, Declaration, and Testimony for the whole of our Covenanted Reformation from the Reformed Presbytery. And we will begin reading again on page 188. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts, are on the web at www.puritandownloads.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Give yourself to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying. And now to SWRB's reading of the Act and Testimony, which we hope you find to be a great blessing, and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ, for He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. Fifth, the Presbytery testify against foresaid party for their unfaithfulness and partiality in point of testimony bearing to a covenanted work of reformation. While yet they not only profess to be witnesses, but the only true and faithful contenders for the said work and cause, the justness of this charge manifestly appears from the scope of their act and testimony, which seems to be principally leveled against the corruptions of the present church judicatories, and not equally against the corruptions of both church and state, in agreeableness to the faithful testimonies of the Lord's people in former times, and in a consistency with the reformation that was jointly carried on in both church and state, and solemnly sworn and engaged to in the covenants. Never, uh, they appear never to have fully adopted the testimony of the Church of Scotland in her purest times, when the profession of the true religion was by law made a necessary qualification of every one that should be admitted to places of civil trust and power in the nation. Nor are the admit, nor are the faithful testimonies of the valiant sufferers and contenders, even unto death, for the precious truths of God in the late persecuting period, as stated against both church and state, fully stated, and judicially approved by them. Much less had they fully adopted the testimony as stated against the Revolution Constitution, both civil and ecclesiastical, which they did not in their testimony condemn as sinful, but on the contrary acknowledged the civil constitution lawful, notwithstanding of their complaining of some defects and omissions therein, 
of which error in the foundation, it may be said, in respect of all the maladministrations since, it was fons et origo mali, and seeing in and by the revolution constitution the nation was involved in the guilt of apostasy and treachery in subverting and overturning the good and laudable laws for true religion and right liberty a faint declaring against some omissions cannot be accounted sufficient especially when what is thus partly complained of is at the same time complexly extolled as a great and glorious deliverance to the church and nation. Their testimony further appears to be partial and unfaithful, considering that their succession was not from the constitution of the Revolution Church, but in a partial and limited way, from a prevailing corrupt party in the judicatories of the church, upon which footing it was that some of the some greatest note among them made their accession after their first succession, expressly declaring so much, whereby they have injured the true state of the testimony which the Lord honored his covenanted Church of Scotland to bear, which is stated against all lukewarm and Laodicean professors, as well as open enemies and against all Erastian usurpation and sectarian invasion on the cause of Christ. Moreover, their unfaithfulness in point of testimony convincingly appears from their bitter contentions and almost endless disputes among themselves after their breach upon the religious clause of some Burgess oaths anent the true state of their own testimony whether lifted up against the revolution constitution of the church and settlement of religion or not had necessary and real faithfulness been studied in stating their testimony clearly and plainly against all the defection and apostasy of the day from a covenanted reformation, there had been no occasion for such a dispute among them. And now, when the one party have more openly avowed their unfaithfulness in receding from almost everything that had the least appearance of faithfulness to the cause and covenant of God, in their former testimony and professedly adopted the revolution settlement as theirs, acknowledging the constitutions both civil and ecclesiastical as lawful, in an open contradiction to any testimony for reformation work, the other party, to wit Antiburgers, have now indeed professedly cast off the revolution constitution of the Church, at the same time continuing to make their partial act and testimony the basis of their distinguished profession. But yet, in an inconsistency therewith, and in contradiction to the covenanted testimony of the Church of Scotland, continue to adopt the constitution of the state as being, however defective, yet agreeable to the precept and so lawful. Hence they are still most partial in their testimony, of which they have given a fresh and notable proof in forementioned mourning published by them wherein, though there are a variety of evils condescended upon as just grounds of the Lord's controversy with the nations, 
Yet there is not that faithfulness used therein, in a particular charging home of the several sins mentioned, upon every one in their different ranks, as in agreeableness to the word of God, is requisite to work a conviction in every one, that they may turn from their sins, and as might correspond to the title given that performance. Thus, passing other instances that might also have been observed, they justly remark on page 31st, the glorious sovereignty of our Lord Jesus Christ as the alone King and Head of His Church is sadly encroached upon and opposed by the royal supremacy in causes ecclesiastical. The King has acknowledged as supreme Head or Governor on earth of the churches of England and Ireland. The civil sovereign is thus declared to be the head or fountain of church power, from whence all authority and ministrations in these churches do spring, is vested with all powers of government and discipline, and constituted the sole judge of controversies within the same. The established Church of Scotland have also, by some particular managements, subjected and subordinated their ecclesiastical meetings to the civil power. But while they acknowledge this to be the sin of the Church and a high provocation against the Lord, yet as to the particular sin of the civil power in assuming and usurping this Erastian supremacy unto itself, they are quite silent. They have not the faithfulness to say in their warning to the robber of Christ in this matter, as once the prophet of the Lord said to the king of Israel in another case, Thou art the man. On the contrary, which cannot have but have a tendency to ward off any conviction of his sin, that this warning, should it come into his hands, might be expected to work. They are guilty of the basis flattery used by court parasites, styling him the best of kings of the mildest administration, as in page 13th, and acknowledge it as a particular effect of the Lord's goodness that we are privileged with such a one. But is he indeed deserving of such a character? Better than which could not be bound to the most faithful ruler, devoting all his power as in duty bound to the support and advancement of the kingdom and interest of Jesus Christ that overreigned. Does he really merit such an encomium who sacrilegiously usurps and wears the crown that alone can flourish on the head of Zion's king? And is this such a blessing to the church that an enemy to her lord and head rules over her? Oh, may not the Lord say, I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. Sixth, the presbytery testify against said seceding party because of the sinfulness of their terms of ministerial and Christian communion as being partly destructive of that liberty wherewith Christ has made his people free by which they have both imposed upon themselves and shut the door of access unto the privileges of the church upon all such as, in a consistency with their adherence to truth and duty, cannot 
except of their unwarrantable restrictions. Of this they gave early discoveries, as appears from the known instance of that notable backslider, Mr. Andrew Clarkson, whom they obliged, before license, to make a public and solemn renunciation of his former principles and profession respecting the covenanted reformation. As also the rejecting all accessions from his Laodicean brethren, wherein was contained an explicit adherence to the same, until they did drop their former testimony, this blind zeal and seceders against a testimony for truth in its purity did gradually increase until it hurried them on to a more particular and formal stating of their term of terms of communion, whereby were totally excluded all the free and faithful of the land from their communion, who could not approve of nor swear the bond, whereby they pretended to renew the covenants, as in their act at Edinburgh in 1744, wherein they did resolve and determine that the renovation of the National Covenant of Scotland and the Solemn League and Covenant of the Three Nations in the manner now agreed upon and proposed by the Presbytery shall be the terms of ministerial communion with this Presbytery, and likewise of Christian communion and admission of people to sealing ordinances, secluding therefrom all opposers, contemners, and sliders of the said renovation of our solemn covenants. By this act, seceders have obliged their adherents to consent to their infamous burial of our national covenants with the Lord, and reformation therein sworn to, particularly as they were renewed, both 1638 and 1648, and that they might further evince their resolution to bear down the foresaid work, they afterward proceeded to subjoin unto their formula of questions to be put to candidates before license and to probationers before ordination the following questions, namely, Are you satisfied with and do you propose to adhere unto and maintain the principles about the present civil government which are declared and maintained in the associate presbyteries answers to Mr. Nairn with their defense thereunto subjoined whereby in opposition to the professed endeavors for the revival of a covenanted reformation in the lands they expressly bind down all their entrance into the office of the ministry to an explicit acknowledgment of their anti-government scheme of principle anent the ordinary ordinance of magistracy and thereby to an acknowledging of the lawfulness of a government which themselves confess has not only departed from and neglected their duty of espousing and supporting the covenanted principles of this church but also opposed, contradicted, and overthrown the glorious reformation once established in these nations. A government under which, as they profess, the nations cannot be enriched by the blessings of the gospel, and that because it does not, in all the appurtenances of its constitution and administration, run in agreeableness to the word of God by all which it appears that although they refuse formally to swear any oaths of allegiance to the powers in being, yet they do materially and with great solemnity engage themselves to be true 
and faithful to a government under which, and while it stands, they are certain, if their concessions hold true, that they shall ne never see the nations flourish, either in their temporal or spiritual interests. It is only needful further to observe that seceders in the terms of their communion, by debarring from the table of the Lord all who impugn the lawfulness of a prelatic Erastian government, as is notoriously known they do, make subjection and loyalty to such an authority a necessary and to them condemnatory qualification of worthy receivers of the Lord's Supper commendatory qualification of worthy receivers of the Lord's Supper, although none of those qualifications required by God in his word. While, as has been already observed, they, with the most violent passion, refuse to admit the professing and practicing the true religion, a necessary qualification of lawful civil rulers over a people possessed of and professing the true religion which is in effect to deny the necessity of religion altogether as to civil rulers, than which nothing can be more absurd. Lastly, not to multiply more particulars, the Presbytery testify against the scandalous abuse and sinful prostitution of church discipline and tyranny in government, whereby the forementioned party have remarkably signalized themselves, and which, in a most precipitate and arbitrary manner, they have pretended to execute against such as have discovered the smallest degree of faithfulness in endeavoring to maintain the principles of our Reformation, in agreeableness to the true state of the covenanted testimony of the Church of Scotland, which has not only appeared in this case of David Leslie and some others on account of a paper of grievances given in to said associates, against whom they proceeded to the sentence of excommunication without using those formalities and means of conviction required and warranted by the church's head, even in the case of just offenses done by any of the professed members of his mystical body, or so much as allowed, allowing that common justice to the sentenced party that might be expected from any judicatory bearing the name of Presbyterian. Though the Presbytery are not hereby to be understood as approving every expression contained in foresaid paper, but particularly they have given notable proof of their fixed resolution to bear down all just appearances in favor of Zion's king and cause, in the case of Mr. Nairn, one of their number, because of his espousing the principles of this presbytery, especially respecting God's ordinance of magistracy, against whom they proceeded to the highest censures of the church upon the footing of a pretended libel, in which libel they did not so much as pretend any immorality in practice or yet error in principle as the ground of their arbitrary procedure, further than his espousing the received principles of this church in her best times, and what stood in necessary connection with such a profession. Although in adorable providence he has since been left to fall into the practice of such immorality, as has justly rendered him the object of church censure by this presbytery. As also in the cases of Messrs. Alexander Marshall and John Cuthbertson, 
with some others, elders and private Christians, against whom they proceeded in a most unaccountable, anti-scriptural and unprecedented manner, and upon no better foundation than that noticed in the case above, pretended to depose and cast such out of the communion of their church, as never had subjected to their authority, nor formerly stood in any established connection with them. And further, besides these instances condescended upon, they habitually aggravate their abuse of the ordinances of Christ's house in pretending to debar and excommunicate from the holy sacrament of the supper many of the friends and followers of the Lamb, only because they cannot conscientiously and in a consistency with their fidelity to their head and Savior acknowledge the authority of the usurpers of his crown as lawful. From all which, and every other instance of their continued prostitution of the discipline instituted by Christ in his church, and of that authority which he, as a son over his own house, has given unto faithful gospel ministers, to the contempt and scorn of an ungodly generation, the Presbytery cannot but testify against them, as guilty of exercising a tyrannical power over the heritage of the Lord, and to whom may too justly be applied the word of the Lord spoken by his prophet Isaiah 66, 5. Your brethren that baited you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. Wherefore, and for all the foresaid grounds, the presbytery find and declare that the pretended associate presbytery, now called synod, whether before or since, in their separate capacity, claiming a parity of power, neither were nor are lawful and rightly constituted courts of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his word, and to the testimony of the true Presbyterian covenanted Church of Christ in Scotland, and therefore ought not, nay cannot, in a consistency with bearing a faithful testimony for the covenanted truths and cause of our glorious Redeemer, be countenanced or submitted to in their authority by his people. Again, the Presbytery find themselves in duty obliged to testify against these brethren who some time ago have broken off from their communion for their unwarrantable separation and continued opposition to the truth and testimony in the hands of this Presbytery, even to the extent of presuming in a judicial capacity to threaten church censure against the Presbytery without alleging so much as any other reason for this strange procedure than their refusing to approve as truth a point of doctrine that stands condemned by the standards of the Reformed Church of Scotland founded on the authority of divine revelation. But as the Presbytery have formerly published a vindication of the truth maintained by them and of their conduct respecting the subject matter of difference with their quondam, Brethren, they refer to said vindication for a more particular discovery of the error of their principle and extravagance of their conduct in this manner, and particularly 
They testify against the more avowed apostasy of some of these brethren, who are not ashamed to declare their backslidings in the streets and publish them upon the housetops, as especially appear from a sermon entitled Bigotry Disclaimed, together with the vindication of said sermon, wherein is vented such a loose and latitudinarian scheme of principles on the point of church communion as had a native tendency to destroy the scriptural boundaries thereof, adopted by this church in her most advanced purity, and which is also inconsistent with the ordination vows whereby the author was solemnly engaged. This, with other differences, best known to themselves, occasioned a rupture in that pretended presbytery, which for some years subsisted, but this breach, being some considerable time ago again cemented, they constituted themselves in their former capacity upon terms, as appears from a printed account of their agreement and constitution, which they have never yet disclaimed as unjust, not very honorable nor consistent with their former principles and professed zeal for maintaining the same, which agreement was made up without any evidence of the above authors retracting his lax principles contained in the foresaid sermon. Whatever was the cause, whether from the influence of others, as was said by the publisher of their agreement, or from a consciousness of dropping part of formerly received principles is not certain, but one of these brethren for a time gave up with further practical communion with the other, namely Mr. Hughes Innes, late of the Colton, Glasgow, while yet it was observed that both used a freedom not formerly common to them, and that the present authority in their public immediate addresses to the object of worship, which together with their apparent resiling from part of their former tes testimony occasioned stumbling to some of their people and terminated in the separation of others. Foresaid Latitudinarianism and falling away is also sadly verified in the conduct of another principal member of their pretended presbytery who has professedly deserted all testimony bearing for the Reformation principles of the Covenanted Church of Scotland. At last, after their declared interviews for that purpose, these brethren have patched up a Manc agreement, which they have published in a paper entitled Abstract of the Covenanted Principles of the Church of Scotland, and so forth, with a prefixed advertisement in some copies asserting the removal of their differences, which arose from a sermon on Psalm 122.3, published at Glasgow by a disapprobation of what is implied in some expressions hereof, namely, that all the members of Christ's mystical body may and ought to unite in visible church communion. Here is indeed a smooth closing of the wound that should have been more thoroughly searched, that by probing into the practical application of said sermon, the corrupt matter of communion with the Revolution Church in the gospel and sealing ordinance thereof might have been found out, but not one word of this in all that abstract which contains their grounds of union and terms of communion. 
Nothing of the above author's recanting his former latitudinarian practices of hearing, and thereby practically encouraging that vagrant Episcopalian which filled his communicating, which natively implies union with the Revolution Church in one of the seals of the covenant, nor is public praying for an Erastian government in a way and for a reason that must needs be understood as a homologation of their authority on which accounts the Presbytery testify against said union as being inconsistent with faithfulness in the cause of Christ, and against said abstract as, however, containing a variety of particulars, very just and good, yet bearing no positive adherence to nor particular mention of faithful wrestlings and testimonies of the martyrs and witnesses for Scotland's covenanted cause. As also they testify against the notorious disingenuity of their probationer, who after a professed dissatisfaction on sundry occasions with the declining steps of said brethren, particularly with the disclaimer against bigotry, has overlooked more weighty matters and embraced a probability of enjoying the long grasp for privilege of ordination, though it should be observed at a greater expense than that of disappointing the expectation of a few dissatisfied persons who depended upon his honesty after they had broken up communion with those he continues still to profess his subjection unto. And further, the Presbytery testify against the adherence of foresaid brethren in strengthening their hands in their course of separation from the Presbytery, rejecting both the judicial and ministerial authority and the ordinances of the gospel dispensed by them. And more especially, the Presbytery condemn the conduct of such of them as professedly dissatisfied with the above said left-hand extremes and other defections of foresaid brethren have therefore broken off from their communion. Yet, instead of returning to their duty in a way of subjecting themselves to the courts of Christ and the ordinances instituted by him in his church, have turned back again to their own right-hand extremes of error, which once they professedly gave up, but now persist in an obstinate impugning the validity of their ministerial authority and protestative mission, undervalue the pure ordinances of the gospel dispensed by them, and live as if there were no church of Christ in the land, where they might receive the seals of the covenant either to themselves or to their children, and therefore, in the righteous judgment of God, have been left to adopt such a dangerous and erroneous system of principles as is a disgrace to the profession of the covenanted cause. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. 
All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan hard drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.